When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. A car shopping experience meets an out-of-body experience. With 50,000 cars added daily and unbelievably smart matchmaking, the new Cars.com. It's magical. Selling your car on Cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com. Click or tap to sell your car on cars.com today. Good morning, everybody. This is Coast to Coast Football. I am Scott Kennedy, one of your hosts. I am in Atlanta. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He's my co-host, and he is in Seattle. So we are Coast to Coast with your football coverage. Um, Appreciate everybody coming in today. Nick, how are you doing this morning, bright and early in Seattle? I'm cold. I'm cold, man. I'm missing uh, Hawaii. I've been back for a week already, but... uh... I'm freezing my butt off up here in the Pacific Northwest. We have it pretty cold in our house when we go to sleep because both pets sleep with us and uh, we sleep in the upstairs floor. So it gets hot up there, especially with them like crowding you out. So uh, I come in here, I try to blast the heat before I come on here and then turn it off because I know it's super loud. So it's probably a about space heater and shut the door. Yeah. That's what I do for my whole basement. I've got a space heater. I close my door in the office. I crank it up then I don't have to heat the whole. I might basement. have to do that, although you probably would hear it. That's the yeah. that's the issue. But it, it does it does work yeah. a little faster, probably. That's very um, true. Yeah, it's. I, I think everybody else is. We're the exception down here in the southeast. It's supposed to be close to eighty today, and every Ooh. like two thirds of the country is in a blizzard watch. So we yeah. sucked all your heat down to the south, uh, just like we suck college football championships down here to the south. Oh, so here we go. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things. We'll just say good good morning to some folks as we are. The algorithms are finding their way out into the football world and, and people start coming in. As you start coming in, um, you know, I want to remind people who watch this from the beginning on demand, because most of our views actually are on demand, you know, leave a comment for me. Uh, I'll forward it to Nick. If you have anything that you see that you want us to clarify or that was a good point or Scott, you're out of your mind. Um, yes, please. I, I enjoy the interaction. That's one of the reasons we do this. Michael Ranquillo is always in here from Tucson, Arizona, and he interacts with us all the time. We love him for it. Uh, Michael says, good morning, Scott and Nick on Coast to Coast Football. Michael, good morning to you. And Dave with the blue and orange hearts coming in, a Denver Broncos fan with a let's ride uh, license plate. That's very personalized. Dave, I don't remember seeing that one. I don't know if you just recently recently changed that one. And Joe Cannon, one of our resident Falcons fans coming in, he says, good morning, Scott and Nick. 
uh, over on Facebook. One of the things we want to get into today, and we'll kind of let the chat dictate a little bit what y'all want to talk about if you guys have any questions, but I have a feeling you'll probably ask us questions about what we're going to be talking about because it's an interesting topic. Uh, it's Wednesday. We're going to go through the NFL.com, Daniel Jeremiah's second mock draft. Yep. I like to say there was a shock in the top five. Shocking, so to speak. How shocked can you be by mock drafts? I don't know. Um, but Daniel Jeremiah, Nick, isn't a guy who just throws stuff out there for shock value. Yeah. If he makes a move or he does something, there's some good reason behind it. Not like some of the other guys we see who really just kind of throw stuff on the wall, hoping to get some attention, so to speak. Daniel Jeremiah is not one of those guys. He does his homework. Yeah. Yeah, he does his own homework. Obviously, he has people in the league, and he always says on his uh, Move the Stick podcast or NFL.com, uh, or excuse me, NFL Network bits, that his top 50s are how he sees it. His mock drafts are how he's projecting it to happen. Of so two different things there. I always think it's important to add that caveat. So this is obviously still sprinkled in what his what he sees, what his influence is in this kind of thing, but also it's what he's hearing team fits and whatnot. So it's not always the exact players fitting spots, but also the positions that you're seeing go at different spots as well. So we can get into that, but yeah, your big shock. Um, I don't want to steal it from you, but <laughs> will Anderson falling a little bit in the draft, Alabama edge rusher been a consensus top three pick for this upcoming cycle since halfway through the 2021 season, I would say even, and uh, falling to number five overall with interesting athletic profile, size length monster, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech going mm -hmm. before Will Anderson at the edge rusher spot. So uh, that's the first time I've seen that, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the last, you know, it yeah. was, we're not even, I, I guess a year ago right now, we were, I was starting to mock, you know, or maybe a little bit before a year ago, but I was starting to mock What's his name? Uh, Trevon Walker to the Broncos at pick nine, pretty consistently right. being like, this guy's pretty darn talented. We'll see where he goes, but I'm going to take him at nine. And then the combine happened and he shot up to, you know, number one, number two, number three. Yeah, those, those pro days and stuff. So we've got a lot of information to still go around. And we'll talk about some of those guys in the top 10 that uh, could be combine guys. Um, Joe, you might want to pay attention on this one for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Falcons fan it's sitting there at number eight is, is talking about one of those guys. And, and yet, seeing Will Anderson at five isn't necessarily a big, big shock. That's not the big surprise. The big surprise is that more than one defensive player would go ahead of him. And that's the big surprise right now because it's certainly possible that three quarterbacks go in the top five and yeah. go ahead of Will Anderson, which would be then leave Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. So <clears throat> what is the surprise there is that Tyree Wilson goes ahead of him um, how likely is he or you to see that? Because we've seen some pretty wide variants on Tyree Wilson. Is this a, a boomer bust kind of guy, or is, is you know what's the what's the story with him? Because I've seen him down in the teens, uh, you know, pretty low, and all of a sudden, you know, here he is, number three overall. Is that a a, a monument, or you know, a, does that help describe kind of how we feel about this draft? We talk about it a, a lot, being yeah, buts on this draft every player is oh i like him but i love will anderson but he's 230 pounds yeah for will anderson it's the size right that's definitely a part of it also he is very mm -hmm. raw still in his pass rushing ability uh or not his pass rushing ability but his pass rushing technique um he's been winning on speed and bend where he doesn't have much going on in terms of the hand technique the counters uh which when you are Miles Garrett level freaky. That's okay. Uh, you can right. get away with that, but he's not a Miles Garrett level package. I mean, if you supersize him by 40 pounds, uh, then you have, and with the same athleticism, then you have Miles Garrett. So uh, he's not Miles Garrett level, you know, able just to run around guys, th run through guys. So I could see that. And the other thing is, we talked about it earlier. I'm going to bring in our chat from earlier here, Scott. Your uh, what, Wild Critters? The uh, Wild Crats is. Wild Crats. Uh, I said, you haven't seen the. We were talking some some diving and i was saying the octopus is like my favorite animal their 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 natural ability to mimic and squeeze through holes and everything and blending is just incredible the army would pay zillions of dollars the military would to be able to do what a, they can do there's a show called the wild crafts like, you know kids you probably haven't seen them where they take those creature powers and turn them into superheroes mm -hmm. in a cartoon so it's it's kind of fun the the, the creature powers and yeah the octopus is pretty darn cool <laughs> well, Tyree Wilson's uh, creature power is 
I guess the spider monkey or something with an incredible arm length because mm-hmm. there's nobody who has the length at the edge that he has. And he can be, I don't think he's the same level of explosiveness uh, that you see from Trevon Walker, but he might have a little bit more power uh, in his game than Trevon Walker had coming out. So he's a run defense unto himself coming out and still scratching the surface uh, from a long distance away, given his reach, um, scratching the surface of his uh, ability as well. So I could see somebody going after him again because of that creature power that he has, which is the the length and length matters up front. Uh, teams all want it, especially in today's NFL. If you're going to be playing lighter boxes, you need to be able to cover more. Uh, they're looking for it for a linebacker, looking for it for defensive line. Yep. And um, Joey Nichols says, we'll probably going to come into the combine at 245 plus. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the best comps I've used for him is like his his ceiling. What would you think of who he could be? It's probably like a Von Miller. You know, and Von played at 6'3", 250 pounds. Nick's freezing up on me just a little bit. The audio's been okay, but Nick, you're, you're freezing on me. So let me bounce you out of here just for a moment and uh, see if he needs to restart and come back. Now that's a lot of me. I know I apologize in advance. Um, but I agree with you, Joey. Um, but again, he's not... That'll help if he comes in at two, three, five. Using using a couple of guys back in the in the way using the wayback machine. AJ Green and Julio Jones were compared against one another for since they were sophomores in high school. One's from South Carolina, one's from Alabama. They're both, and I don't use this lightly, generational type of 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 talents, and we they were. The question about Julio was, what's his top end speed really going to be like? Because he's got the big body, he's got the body control, he's got the hands. And then the question on AJ Green was, is he is he big enough? Is he a little frail? Is he a little too thin? And then the combine rolls around after these guys have had all kinds of time to prepare. Julio comes in and runs like a four three something, and AJ comes in and weighs at like two twenty something. I'm like, okay, well those questions have been answered. So, yes, uh, Will Anderson, it's a lot easier to put on weight than it is to uh, – Nick, you might want to – if you come get, make, get back in, just give me a thumbs up since you can't add yourself. <laughs> Looking better. Because um, if you're still in that little thumbnail, I can't tell. It's like, is he still frozen? Um, but, yeah, he's got a chance to put on 15 pounds of, of weight when he's out of season and all he's doing is combine prep won't be that difficult. I, I agree with you, Joey. So, but again, it, it's still a little bit of the, yeah, but there were some questions coming out about Vong. Is he a little undersized? Bryce Young. Oh, I love him. All the intangibles, but he's a little undersized. Uh, Will Levis. Yeah. The, look at the arm, the, the, the size, the strength. He's got everything, but the production wasn't there. The decision-making, some of the accuracy, all of those guys are kind of like that for me, except maybe Jalen Carter, who Daniel Jeremiah has going number one overall. And the but on him is, yeah, but he's a defensive tackle. Is that worthy of a number one overall pick? And his but I think still is somewhat of the technique. <laughs> um, honestly, like his, uh, he is actually winning with just pure freakish ability right now. And he's actually, I think, talented enough in the strength, movements, body type uh, categories that he probably never has to be an actually super technical player and still be really good. Now come the twilight of his career, the back half, you better have that technical ability as your ability or physical prowess starts to slide a bit. But I think he's actually one that it's the, just like we talked about the miles Garrett conversation prior, the, the tools that he has are so natural that he doesn't have to be the most technically refined player uh, and still be unbelievably dynamic. Yeah. He'll, he'll learn his craft through the years. I mean, he's young, Um, obviously, I mean, but not all these guys are young. Some of them come in at 25 years old, but he's, he's still young and, you know, he'll have plenty of opportunity to learn his craft as he develops. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. He hasn't had to, you know, and and sometimes it's like, well, he, you know, the butt on him was like, well, he, he admitted to being a little gassed against Ohio state. Okay. Well that happens. He's 300 and something pounds and he hasn't really been challenged. You know what he did? He challenged himself. I love that. He challenged himself to get into better shape because he hadn't needed to. He hasn't needed all of the technical refinement beforehand. But I, I, I believe in his work ethic. So Joey comes in. He says, Jalen Carter is number one on my board. Me too. Uh, he, he really is. As far as if we're stacking up Madden numbers, and this guy's a 98, this guy's a 97, 95, 95, 94, the number one talent, the, the highest rating on my board is Jalen Carter. I think he is the – the. Go ahead. 
maybe Bijan would be higher if you're just putting in. Okay, yeah, numbers. okay, I can live with that. Bijan Rob, uh, Bijan Robinson, running back. I can live with but that. He plays running back. Yeah, yeah, I, I can live with that. And, and sorry here, to cut you off. I just Ryan, Ryan's coming in and just saying that. Um, you know, and I, I just got done saying this. What makes you think Carter will be in better shape in the NFL when he was out of shape for the playoffs? He wasn't out of shape. You know, and one, he wasn't out of shape. He got. He admitted to being getting a little gassed by the high tempo offense from Ohio State. Um because it's something he hadn't really had to face at that point. How did he respond? He went and put in extra work, made sure that wasn't going to happen again. We we're talking, we just got done talking about this, Ryan, as you were typing this up, probably just, he, he didn't necessarily get challenged and he didn't have to know all of the nuances of playing the defensive tackle position, all the techniques, the techniques, the hand placement, the, the different moves. He will learn that. Because when he found himself being gassed when he was playing against Ohio State's high-tempo offenses, they were running more plays than anybody had before before them. He know he says, "I'm I'm I'm getting I'm getting tired." It happens for guys that are 330 pounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you target those guys. You try and wear them out side to side lateral movement. You it, it's a strategy. What did he do? He stayed after and he worked harder for the month between the games or the two three weeks between the games. I like that in a guy. So. I do. I do. I like that in a guy. Also Anthony coming in. Anthony Manzano, MOB, says, hi, Scott. Hello to you, too, and hello, Nick, as well. I'm sure he didn't mean to uh, to leave you out. He has a question here. It says, when you look at Jalen Carter, do you see more of a traditional zero technique, or is he a three technique? Um, Nick, go ahead. I, I want you to get this one. Uh, he's a three technique, but he could play across the line. Um, I think if you're running a three, four defense, you line him up at four eye and gap and a half him or two gap him. That's fine. Uh, you want to move him to three technique. I think that's probably the spot you're going to see him most of the time. So that way you can get him in one-on-ones. I think it would be a waste to have him be a gap uh, space occupier to free up somebody else. No, you're trying to free up Jalen Carter. Mm -hmm. And then in those sub packages where you can be really aggressive and exotic with your uh, pass rush looks, you can line him up over the center as a shade nose uh, one technique from time to time as well. But for me, um, three technique to uh, four eye, kind of getting him as that opposite of a true nose tackle that can actually do the dirty work, work to free him up. Uh, that's where I'd put Jalen Carter. Kind of the guy that I he reminds me of. I remember the first game where I really paid attention to Jalen Carter, and I was like, "Holy bleep, this is unbelievable!" <laughs> um, was uh, Kentucky twenty twenty one? I think he had three sacks in that game and just was constantly in the backfield. He moves to me with the length and the fluidity to get off guys and just the easy, like, like water uh, through some of these blockers is Chris Jones, who, you know, he can play some nose tackle, but it's not, I mean, they always have somebody in there in Kansas city who does more of the dirty work to free up Chris Jones. They even use Chris Jones as an edge rusher in some packages. And I think Carter has the athleticism. It's not the Ben type, but you know, that power cruncher kind of end where in some looks you can do that. So that's how I see Jalen Carter. I see very similar to Chris Jones in my book. And I'm going to go back a little farther because Anthony, no, I, I don't think he would be a, a zero. I think he can because he's big and strong enough. That's not necessarily when you use him. And I think you could use him as a defensive tackle in a 4-3. That's probably his best position. He's athletic enough that he could move out to end in a 4-3. He's, he's, you know, the absolute sky high if he reaches every single ounce of his potential. Pie in the sky, Reggie White. Reggie White was a 300-pound defensive end and one of the best defensive players that this game has ever seen. So he's got that type of athletic potential. Now, what it takes to have that athletic potential and turn into Reggie White, you don't you don't know until it happens. Um, but it, athletically speaking, he's got the size, the athleticism to be that number one overall. And would the Bears think about sitting there and at number one and taking him. If I told you you were going to get Reggie White, absolutely, you'd, you'd mm -hmm. still sit there. Unless maybe you could trade back to three because two guys wanted quarterbacks and you, you take that risk. But if the Bears, and that's what they, Daniel Jeremiah, since we're, we're talking about this, he stuck at, he did no trades. So with the Bears sitting at number one, he had them taking Jalen Carter. And frankly, I agree. Yeah, not at number one, but the player that makes the most sense. Also, Scott, I know you say it doesn't matter at the top, but teams just hack down their board so much that I think you still have to talk about it in the conversation. Uh, but Matt Eberflus's defense has always been greatly reliant on a three technique, dominant three technique. I mean, to the point where the Colts a couple years ago traded for DeForest Buckner because they mm -hmm. felt like they, need, they moved a first-round pick and then paid a big contract 
for DeForest Buckner out there to get him in the defense to really rush after the quarterback. It's one reason I'm curious if the Bears would target a Draymond Jones uh, in this uh, free agency because they need a three technique, a one-gap penetrator on that smaller side. But, yeah, he's a uh, great player, number one player. He's going to be the number one player on my board, even though typically just given the position they play, their alignment, edge rushers are, have a better chance at value because their situation gives them more opportunity to rush the passer, right. which is more valuable. But I think that's kind of how freaky and special uh, Jalen Carter is as a player. And out, out in space, it's harder to target those guys. You know, it's, it's harder to double team those guys. If I'm going to run a, a back over there or a tight end, but then I'll just switch sides on them. Okay, well, I put him in motion. You're, there, there's more space, so there is more opportunity where. But if, if I can get a guy that can take on a double team and still get through, hmm. come on. I mean, that's 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 pretty special. Uh, that's pretty special in there. So uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I put the link in the chat. I always try and do that. I know he's gotten more views than I'll ever send him. But if we're going to talk about him, we're going to we're going to link his mock mock draft. And what's interesting, he did his first mock draft in January. Uh, I think January 20th. So it's been a good month uh, since he did his first one with no trades. He stuck to his guns. And the number one overall pick for the Chicago Bears was was Jalen Carter. Um Number two, moving down, uh, and this one was Houston Texans, was Bryce Young. Um, there's some questions over which quarterback goes number one overall or the first quarterback off the board. Uh, you know, would somebody get crazy and take Will Levis? Uh, I think C.J. Stroud is in the conversation. Here's the thing, though, Nick. I don't think there's any real doubt that Bryce Young will be one or two. Like he's not going to three or four. It's like, okay, someone may take someone else, but then Bryce Young will be there. So let's say the Colts trade up and they take CJ Stroud. Texans are getting Bryce Young. Uh, it's it, he's he's going to be if he's not the first, he's a second. Whereas there's some debate about who could be the other guy in there with Bryce Young between Stroud, Levis, and possibly Richardson after yeah. the, the next two months. I think it's possible all four of those quarterbacks are taken in the top ten. I think it's more than a 50-50 proposition now, uh, given especially the drop-off at quarterback this season. After those four, you have Hennon Hooker, who might not play this year at the ACL, and then Jake Hayner. I mean, it, it falls off an absolute cliff uh, this season. Kind of a little bit opposite of last year. We had a bunch of day-two talent. Uh, this year, it's the top quarterbacks, and then good luck. Uh, so I could see teams tripping over themselves to try to get those guys. I do think there's a reality out there. I'll give it like a, you know, three out of a hundred chance where Bryce Young is the third quarterback off the board, uh, mm -hmm. where teams are absolutely in love with Will Levis's personality. Apparently he just has like people love the dude mm -hmm. and they kind of uh, talk away last season's performance. You know, he had, I think he had a hamstring injury. Obviously he had the hand injury. Rich Gangarello uh, was really poor for them. They didn't have any the offensive line was terrible. The wide receivers were terrible. Uh, I could see that as well. Morning to Chris Walker. Good to see you. I, I'm going to have Bryce Young number one on my board, though. I'm just saying that I do think that there is a there is a reality out there where he is uh, third because he is such an outlier. I think dating back to year 19, we'll go three cool. You got frozen in a really uh, unfortunate spot. It looks like you're um, for a sec. You know, it doesn't look good. <laughs> You've said it before, though, going back, you know, 30, 40 years that there was only three quarterbacks that were under 195 pounds, I think. I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and none of those guys were 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 first rounders. So he, he is an outlier. I do think the, the game has changed a little bit um, where they're protecting the quarterbacks. That said, uh, let me see here it was, you know, Anthony comes and he says something about, you know, the issue that two has been having since he got into the league. I don't think teams are going to be going to be a little bit more hesitant to take him. And, and the, the, the brain injuries aren't necessarily size. You know, the head injuries aren't necessarily about size. So I don't I don't worry too much about that one. If he was breaking ribs or doing shoulders or something. But Bryce Young hasn't really battled any injuries. You know, Andrew Luck was going through all, all these big quarterbacks. Ask any quarterback from the 80s or before. They've all had, you know, Steve Young. Uh, Andrew Luck left because of concussion questions. You know, it's the head injuries aren't size related for me. Um mm -hmm. You know, those are usually when your head's hitting the ground, not necessarily helmet to helmet type of blows. So being six six doesn't really help uh, on those. So I don't, I don't think um, that's as big a deal. Um, let me see here. Let me go back down. Uh, this is a name I don't necessarily recognize, but I want, uh, I want to hit up a Joe here real quick before we move on. 
says, how do you feel about uh, Kalia Kansi? Uh, I don't have any feelings one way or the other, other than I hope I said his name right. Kalija with the J, the hard J on there. Okay. Uh, Por- the Portuguese, the Portuguese J. Yeah, exactly. He is extremely undersized, but one of the best interior pass rushers in this class. I think he's topping out about six foot six one two eighty from Pitt, and he can get after it. I know that in Mel Kuyper's first mock draft, he had Kalijah Kansi going 10 overall, which was a shock um, for a lot of people. Really good three technique, but kind of a shock given just how small he actually is. I think if you're looking for a three technique, he's going to be a good one, but he is an outlier in terms of his size. He would have to test like an absolute freak for me to consider him in the first round, given the lack of size that he has. Uh, but some teams are going to like that three technique interior penetrator teams running the Vic Fangio defense where you're trying to play less bodies in the box. Probably won't like him as much uh, because he's going to get eaten up in uh, double teams in first and second down. So really unique player, fun player going to be interesting to see where he goes to me early second round. You're taking a very specific niche player, but one who could be elite uh, at that uh, specific role. So that's how I feel about Kalijah Kansi. Just six foot two eighty. I mean, it's just such a weird body type, but the tape is fun. Uh, he gets after it out there. That's a big middle linebacker. <laughs> that's a jumbo jumbo inside linebacker. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, Roderick has a question. I, I, I make sure we get back to this one uh, about Ryan Nielsen and the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator. Let's hit on this one at eight uh, when we get down there, Roderick. Um, I'm going to make sure I don't want to don't want to miss you. Um, and, and Joey says something that we've been saying for a while. The NIL really hurt not just the mid-level quarterback talent, but really the, the talent overall in this draft. But I would agree with you. Quarterback is probably the most affected because I can go to a big power five school and get my NIL money, which is better than third round money or fourth round money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree with you. It is it is good for college football. It's not great for this draft class. We've been saying that for the last couple of months, Joey. I agree with you 100 um, percent. Also, look the at John extra Clay year. eventing coming in here. Um, he says, uh, good morning, gents. See you guys at 67 and 68. Okay. <laughs> it took me a second to get that one. Uh, John Clay breaking the ice with a super chat. And just a reminder, um, wherever you're watching YouTube or Facebook, the best way to help our show and, and support the show is with super chats or, or Facebook stars. So we appreciate John Clay eventing coming in with the super this morning. Uh, Broncos fans saying, see you guys at 67 and 68. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the big changes from Daniel Jeremiah's first mock draft is the Denver Broncos were in the first round. Now they are not. Um, but I gave a pretty passionate speech on, I think a first round pick is worth having the right coach. Did you get the right coach? I think you did. Um, but we will see for sure. Um, so Houston Texans, Bryce Young makes sense to me. Speaking of guys who are well liked and respected in the locker room and you know, love the dude, Bryce Young's all that in a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, fun playmaker at the quarterback position, twitchy athlete. Um, no matter he's one of those players that is gonna be so bleeping frustrating to play against because you will feel like you have him on the ropes, and then he'll just flip his shoulders, flip his hips, and deliver a feathery football to a wide open player, 15 yards, the opposite side of the field. I know that some of the comparisons right now, we're in that crazy season. We're like, Oh, who's, uh, who's Bryce Young's is fo- uh, athlete comparison. Why it's uh, Steph Curry. I was like, oh, what? No, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Also, he doesn't have that type of arm talent. And also the frame. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's twitchy and incredible. and can do all the off platform stuff, but he's also like decently thick. Um, he can actually like, you know, glance off a guy where, uh, I would say Young is much more slippery than he is sturdy. Um, again, talking about the size and the profile, but very unique player. Uh, I, I have a really hard time thinking of a comp for him in the league, but you see him play quarterback. He plays it like a really smooth second baseman out there flipping a double play. So good player, uh, going to be an outlier. But if you, I think he hasn't, obviously he has enough arm talent. It's not elite. I think we disagree a little bit, Scott, on terms of the, the level of arm that Bryce Young has. Uh, but it's definitely good enough uh, for pretty much 90% of the throws, 95% of throws you're going to see at the NFL level can be a playmaker, which you have to have uh, play beyond the X's and O's in today's NFL. And uh, you mentioned it, it comes down to the dude what's in between the ears. What's in the chest cavity. I think Bryce young apparently don't know the kid, but apparently has both of those things. So 
would not shock anybody to fall in love with him. I think our disagreement may have come when we were talking about the comparison of the ability to play, to make plays in a variety of situations was to Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes has as good, if not the, the, the best ability to deliver a ball anyhow, anyway. I just, anyway. I never, I never, yeah, I just never think of Patrick Mahomes as having the absolute fastball, mm-hmm. huge arm. He, he doesn't need it. He's got more than enough arm. He's got a good arm. And that was where that debate came into. And yeah. it doesn't matter because I, I think Patrick Mahomes, and this isn't going out on a limb here, he, he's the best player in football. Um, he doesn't he doesn't have to have John Elway or you know Brett Favre fastball to be the best quarterback. You know, my all-time favorite quarterback is Joe Montana. No one ever talked about him as having a great arm. And I was talking about Bryce Young's arm talent when I was referring to our I know we have a little bit of a difference. But that's how it started. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. it started because I think Bryce Young has plenty of arm. I don't think yeah. he's got a huge arm. I don't think he's got the strongest arm in this draft. I think he's got enough arm and his ability yeah. to make plays off script and to improvise is what led us to the Patrick Mahomes discussion. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. about Bryce Young. I, I agree with you on Bryce Young. I think yeah. he's got plenty of arm. In the, the, what makes it so hard to scout quarterbacks is it relies the most on stuff you can't measure. Every other position, for the most part, is a bigger, faster, stronger position. Quarterback isn't necessarily that way. There's so many different ways to get the job done. Um, that you're 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 really trying to scout intangibles, and when mm-hmm. you can't measure those, it becomes a little riskier, so to speak. And just adding um, to that, real quick, a guy like it's it's not always the arm talent. I think that if you stack quarterbacks in the league right now with the best dynamic, like raw arm talent, Josh Allen would probably be number one as far as the velocity. Uh, Justin Herbert's probably not far behind there. Uh, might be forgetting somebody. You could say Stafford, but I think it's waned a bit over time. But I think you talk about Bryce Young's arm talent. It's I think it's better than Tua Tagovailoa. It's better than talking about a Miami fan here and Anthony uh, Manzano coming in here. It's better than Mac Jones coming out. I think it's probably a little slightly better than uh, Joe Burrow as well as terms of absolute velocity. But mm-hmm. those guys can get it done and still right. play great football. So yeah, uh, it's an easy comparison to say Joe Cool. You know the original Joe Cool for you know, at least Gen Xers was, was Joe Montana, you know, now it's Joe Burrow and, and they're, they are very similar quarterbacks. Neither one of them are getting, neither one of them were all about arm talent. It was about mm-hmm. reads and accuracy. Accuracy is so important. That was, uh, you know, that that's always the key. And that's probably one of the, the knocks on Will Levis is, is his accuracy. Um, you know, and Anthony comes back and he says, I'm not sure if you agree with this, for Will Levis, he's a less developed version of Ben Roethlisberger or Peyton Manning. Those are very, very different quarterbacks. <laughs> um, ben is a stereotype, big arm pocket passer who was hard to you know hard, hard to sack because he got rid of the ball and st- stood stood there. Peyton was no one ever talked about Peyton Manning. We we're talking about arm strength. No one ever said Peyton Manning had the world's best arm either. You know that was yeah. there's so many different ways to do this. You know so when I say I don't put Patrick Mahomes in that upper echelon of arm strength guys. So what? You know, that's that's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes. We're talking some of the best guys, and not even some of them, the best quarterbacks in history. Which one of them would you say had just the absolute rocket of an arm? Joe Montana? No. Tom Brady? No. Peyton Manning? No. John Elway? Elway did. Elway did. Um, Elway was arguably the most physically gifted quarterback in the history of this game. Um, you know, especially at the time, because he he could run too. Was the thing about Elway is he? You never really, you know. And then Steve Young turns around and he's a a, a more mm-hmm. side to side, not quite as good of a arm strength, left handed version of Elway. You know, it it, it happens. You know, Man. otherwise I might throw in Michael Vick as far as most physically gifted if he was six four, you know, uh, with that flick of the wrist arm strength. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Uh, we're, we're getting off track here. Um, moving down to number three is where with the Arizona Cardinals is where it, it kind of you hit the first real eye opener from Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. And it's Tyree Wilson going at number three instead of Will Anderson. Um you know, and he backs it up very well, you know, obviously. Uh, first, as you're off the board over Will Anderson, there's question mark, exclamation point. There's a lot of love for Wilson around the league. His combination of side length and production has teams very intrigued, obviously. You know, it's a bigger, faster, stronger game. 
and and Tyree Wilson's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, a unique player, super skill, uh, talent. And uh, Joey comes in another one. Favre also had an incredible arm. You're correct. Those are the two guys um, dating back to the. Yeah, I, I said Elway yeah. and Farber, how I kind of measured everybody else through the years. And also how the, I'll put this in a box. We're getting way too far off track. Uh, number three, Tyree <laughs> Wilson. We already talked about it. Um, incredible size. The question is, can I need to see if he tests uh, as well as some people are talking about because the tape, he's always a, a late reactor, um, in my opinion. Watching him explode off the snap. Uh, is not always the case. Just I want to see a little bit more twitching the so- outside. I know he's a big pass rusher still, but selling your car on cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com is magic. Click or tap to sell your car on cars.com today. And strength wins, but does you need strength and uh, twitch and explosiveness if I'm taking you top mm-hmm. three. Uh, so it's not like we're talking about uh, George Karloftis versus Nick Benito in terms of strength versus burst. You know, you, you got to have a little bit of both up top there. So Tyree Wilson, I'd be shocked if he was the first uh, edge rusher taken. But if he is, it's because of just being such a unique power player with length that is pretty unprecedented unprecedented in the league and potentially some versatility as well. I know he's tall, so I'd be curious to see what he could look like reducing inside as a pass rusher on some snaps, especially in uh, sub packages where, you know, you went on first and second down with him on the edge, setting it like, you know, taking care of two gaps out there. You don't even have to re- uh, play as much um, like defensive back help on that side regarding the gaps. Cause he's probably that good. You can be a little bit weaker there with the support, but what is his versatility like there? It's a, it'll be an interesting uh, look for him. I still can't wrap my mind around him going before Will Anderson, uh, given especially just teams were throwing everything they could at Will Anderson to stop him. And he still was one of the better pressure players in the entire uh, NCAA landscape this last season. Relentless. Yeah. I mean, he's relentless. Yeah. Just he's, he's really good pass rusher. No doubt. Uh, probably would have been number one overall last year. We talked about it this year has more top talent at the very top. But then I think the, the middle, the gut is not as talented. Uh, this so. isn't a big move for him, uh, for Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah had Tyree Wilson going five uh, in his first mock draft a month ago in, in, in January. So not a huge, all he did was flip those two. So the Seahawks got Will Anderson. Seahawks fans are thrilled. Absolutely. But we skipped over four. Four is the Indianapolis Colts. You know they want a quarterback, and they got C.J. Stroud. Now, one of the very first drafts I saw, mock drafts I saw, it was around Thanksgiving. The Draft Network had, at the time, the Indianapolis Colts were 14th, and they took C.J. Stroud. At the time, I said, there's two things that aren't going to happen. One, the Colts aren't going to pick 14th because they're going down in a hurry, and they ended up number four. And two, C.J. Stroud's not going to be there at number 14. So they can still get him but they can get him later on. And guys, enough with the Wonderlick stuff. You're killing my chat here. Nobody else can get into anything. So enough. <laughs> um, the and, and that happened. So they get CJ Stroud at four. And frankly, I think he's worthy of a number one overall. And if, if I was a Colts and I knew I could get CJ Stroud by sticking at four, I would. Mm-hmm. I would. I don't think they can get CJ Stroud or Bryce Young by sticking at four, and they're going to have to trade up. There'll be a quarterback for there at four for them. I'm right, but it's not going to be guy. one of those two. I don't think Stroud's more likely. Young ain't making yeah. it that far. And Will Levis could be their number one. I mean, it's just who 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 knows that this in the, the NFL people keep Levis as well. Oh, we're losing you again, Nick. We are losing you again uh, on that one a little bit. It looks like you're coming back. So. No, I, like I said at the top of the show, I think Bryce Young is the first or second quarterback off the board, I, but I think he's definitely top two. And therefore, Bryce Young is not going to be there at four. Yeah. Uh, Stroud could be because someone else could come in and go Levis, maybe Richardson. Someone could fall in love with Anthony Richardson and he could go that high. Um, but if you want Young, you're going to have to move up. You're gambling on Stroud if if you if you want to stick it forward. But I, I feel like if the Colts could get Stroud at four. There's no need for me to make a trade. I just don't think they can. I don't think they can risk it. If there's a guy that they see heading, it's going to come down to their evaluations. There's a guy that they see is their dude. Mm -hmm. Go get him. 
but yeah. are you confident enough in your valuation that it's worth giving up all that extra draft capital to go get a guy? Or do you have a few guys that are close together that you like enough? Um, right. There is something to be said about going and getting your guy, but also we've seen that there's enough volatility. It is the draft. There are no sure things that if you have anybody even remotely close, maybe it's better to get, you know, the extra couple of players on the back right. end on that cost controlled, uh, especially because more, more arrows in the quiver. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. You know, I, I grew up in the, you know, Jimmy Johnson trading down era, you know, and then Bill Belichick has made a, you know, a, you know, did the same thing during his run. There's just not that big a difference between players that it's good to have, you know, until you get at the very top. And we're talking about top five here. Yeah, there might be, there might be a big difference between the players if you get it right. Um, but I think the Colts would be thrilled to get CJ Stroud at four. Um, but I, I think they're going to end up having to trade a, a probably a 2024 number one in order to move up into that spot. That might not be as bad as it seems because the Colts aren't as far off as they looked this year. They've still got a good nucleus of talent. Um, coaching change should help, you would think. And then having a quarterback in there. For me, it's offensive line though that's got to that's got to improve uh, improve rapidly because their quarterback's play wasn't was bad, but it was partially connected to how with the entire system. So Shane mm -hmm. Steichen should help. Long story short, I don't think they have a top five pick in twenty twenty four. If they did, mm -hmm. you can't touch it. Um, if I would, you know, I do it like lotto protected, like the NBA does. We traded this and a lottery protected number uh, first round pick the next year. Yep. I'm with you. It'll be interesting. Colts also sent their third round pick in 2023 to the Broncos in a trade last season. So they are already dealing with a slight uh, lesser draft capital. So it'll be interesting to see how it ha uh, how it plays out. Mike Larry with the, uh, the scream photo here, man, uh, that's uh, really stands out says, was it the Cowboys who developed this whole player rank system? Uh, Jimmy Johnson trade chart. I know that one's a little bit outdated now. I think there's also, there's a Bill Belichick one now that a lot of teams or a lot of people reference and utilize, but yeah, I think they they underrated the Jimmy Johnson one. I think underrates those round two and round three picks compared to how teams are viewing them today. And uh, Aki Dragon coming in, Colts should go after Carr and use a trade back. I'd think that Jim Irsay is probably out on the veteran, veteran, veteran mold. I think this is a team that's going to go after a rookie to reset it, and also just how the a lot of their expensive contracts are set up. They might need that rookie quarterback contract to help. Uh, refresh the roster from a salary cap perspective when you're playing non-positions of value, massive dollars, and like the dub. Like Quentin Nelson is, is one, you know, when you're talking about paying a guard $20 million. Um, yep. They've got the most expensive offensive line in the NFL, at least until the Falcons get done this year. Yeah. Uh, that might, They may end up with the, the most expensive OL in the, in the league, and they performed bottom third. That's a bad and expensive is not a good way to win games. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think... Um, I think the Colts have had enough of veteran, someone else's veteran quarterback. I, I agree um, 100%. Let's go to number five. And number five, we already mentioned the Seattle Seahawks. feel like they're hitting the lottery here. The number, they get number five. As part of the trade with the Denver Broncos, they end up getting <laughs> Will Anderson. Man, they're, they're putting up statues of Russell Wilson for this trade. Uh, in Seattle, being able to to pull this off, you know, on top of the first round pick they got last year, and then to get Will Anderson in the top five. If that happens, something even close, a great deal became a historic deal for them, depending on how Will Anderson finishes his career. Yeah, God, that would hurt. I kept saying the Broncos need to win some games so they can uh, take the Seahawks out of the uh, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter range. And here we are. I thought we did it. And uh, at five overall, you have Will Anderson going at five. Talked about him a lot. Um, not a perfect player. Doesn't have the absolute massive size. We'll see what he comes in and weighs at uh, at the combine. I hope he's not one of those players that comes in and weighs really well and then like, oh, I'm not going to test, and then gets down to like 235 at the Alabama Pro Day and then uh, explodes with the testing numbers there. It's like, well, you didn't test at what you weighed at, so I'm not going to use both of these data points together. Oldest trick in the book. We'll see that with Bryce Young, I'm sure. He'll you know be have a ham sandwich in his pocket or something and then test at the uh, – <laughs> Alabama Pro Day instead, but uh, Aki Dragon saying George Payton was given the keys to Seattle. The Denver Broncos general manager is uh, yeah. maybe that's who they're putting a statue up of uh, instead of Russell Wilson. They're they're putting one up of George Payton. That one hurts. That one hurts if you're a, a Broncos fan. But it what a what a deal uh, at the time, Nick. I said I thought that deal was you know pretty even. You know you're getting mm -hmm. Russell Wilson even in a decline. It's still you know he was still a Pro Bowler in 2021. 
Um, and the, the the Seattle Seahawks were getting a good return on a guy that wanted away. Well, it 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 was still a good return on a guy that wanted away, but the Broncos didn't get there, mm-hmm. and it ended up being a really poor trade for the Broncos. I always thought it was a good trade for the Seahawks. It ended up being a really bad trade for the Broncos, and it doesn't have to be that way. It can be a win-win. Yeah. Not so far, that's for sure. And the way they're talking about Russell Wilson makes me think that, uh, well, we'll see. Um, Patrick coming in here with the, uh, looks like we've got a picture of Red Rocks there. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, I can't tell. Um, like but it's a Slayer on there. Are you an old metalhead, Patrick, like I am? So I wasn't ever a big Slayer fan, though. I was a little more refined than than Slayer. It does say Slayer, and it's a little baby with a, looks like screaming with the uh, ear covers on. <laughs> so uh, probably a little bit <laughs> rocking too hard there. But uh, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, appreciate you coming in. I just saw your email, too. I was going to check in and see how you're doing with your meniscus. But uh, no, I did not do the helicopter thing. My wife is an absolutely terrible flyer. Um, she said that if you did that, you would have to un- uh, make me unconscious and you could go about and I'll fly with you. I'm like, well, <laughs> it doesn't sound worth it. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, m- moving on here. We talked about Will Anderson. Then things get really interesting about six. We talked mm-hmm. about, you know, first five picks, first six picks, Carter, Anderson, and then uh, quarterbacks. Six where things kind of really start turning around here. Miles Murphy, number six overall. I agree with this. Miles Murphy is probably going to be my uh, sixth player here. I would have. I personally would have Miles Murphy over uh, Tyree Wilson, but uh, we'll see how they test it. I think he's got a little bit more juice and explosiveness to his game, even if he is still a little bit raw. Uh, probably for those guys, it'd come down to the mental makeup, the chutzpah, if you will. But Miles um, Murphy at six, he's a guy that I'm honestly really hoping for your Falcons at eight, Scott. He's the one that's the combination of athleticism and body type that I'm hoping. Yeah, the Falcons seem to have been one pick off or two picks off the last couple of years. You know, um, Kyle Pitts is a nice player, but if they were sitting at three, they could have gotten three first round draft picks, uh, you know, and, and they're one spot off that. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Kyle Pitts or would you rather have had the, the, the trade that the San Francisco 49ers sent the Dolphins for Trey Lance? Mm, that's an easy one. I would have rather had the three first round picks for the Atlanta Falcons last year. You know, you're talking about the elite players, and I think they stopped at seven. Um, I would have, I don't know if Stingley ended up being that guy, but we're talking the edge rushers and Aiden Hutchinson. And frankly, we were all pretty high on Sauce Gardner as well to pair with AJ Terrell to take care of your defensive backfield for the next 10 years. But they still ended up getting a good player in, in Drake London. This year, um, Miles Murphy could be that guy. I don't, I don't feel as strongly about him as I did the last two drafts where it feels like you got quarterbacks, Will Anderson and uh, Jalen Carter, and then question marks. Again, a lot of those, yeah, but. So if Miles Miles Murphy's off the board, I think he's probably the most consistent. And as as, as, uh, Daniel Jeremiah says, Aiden Hutchinson was a great pick. James Houston, undrafted free agent, had eight sacks uh, Mm -hmm. coming out of via Florida, via uh, Jackson State, I believe, uh, HBCU. And then you you run in Murphy, who's a, a little bit different than adds a little more size Detroit defense starting to look pretty scary. Number seven, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. Will Levis will Levis says this picture will be clear after we get through the quarterback carousel and free agency. But as of now, the Raiders need someone at the position and Levis has incredible tools. And one thing we know is Josh Daniels would be arrogant enough to think he can take a toolsy quarterback and turn him into a superstar. Yeah. I uh, I agree with you on that one. We'll see what happens. And Dan Jeremiah kind of hints at it here. The quarterback carousel is going to be big for the Raiders. If they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo and give him a solid contract, that wouldn't keep me from drafting a quarterback. But Jimmy Garoppolo coming might have a prerequisite of, and you're not going to draft a quarterback here, right? Okay, I will <laughs> sign the dotted line. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with the Raiders. Will Levis is going to have to go somewhere. This is a team that makes some sense. If he does fall past here, I mean, if one of Levis, uh, Stroud, or Young, I don't think Young will fall, but if one of Levis or Stroud fall to the next pick at eight overall, might have to have a very interesting conversation with Atlanta. I think ideally, uh, you would take Stroud, I'm sure. Um, you love Stroud, you'd be fine taking him. But there's the take the quarterback or trade down uh, situation that we'd have to talk about as well. Uh, but things are getting interesting seeing these quarterbacks get uh, pushed down, not going off the board, you know, one, two, three. I'm always really interested in trading down. Yeah. You know, again, you just heard me say a few minutes ago that more arrows in the quiver gives you more chance to hit. There's a percentage on on what you're going to hit. And it was a criticism that that I had when I was doing rankings at Scout, you know, you, you that 
there's a balance between quantity and quality. Where is that line? You know, and, and a lot of people thought I may have leaned too hard towards quantity of a draft class. Um, but, you know, there was anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, I agree. I want more picks. Uh, so trading down would absolutely work for me. Um, getting back to uh, now to number eight, uh, Roderick had a question about the, the defensive coordinator and Ryan Nielsen. What do we think about Ryan Nielsen and how would he use Lucas Van Ness, red shirt sophomore out of Iowa? who may be the most intriguing prospect in this whole draft at six foot five, 275 pounds, former hockey player, um, call him high risk, high reward. How risky is he? He's risky because he's still raw in terms of his ability, but the physical makeup of his you know game, the strength, length, explosiveness plays. And he has that in spades. Uh, he's a versatile player as well. One of my favorite things about watching him at Iowa is that 2021, he played some edge, but it was a lot of interior defensive line in sub packages. And he, because of that, because of his height, he had to really work on his leverage and his ability to work through double teams from the inside. And that worked out pretty well for him. So this year he kicks a little bit more to edge. He's got great uh, closing burst, uh, just the power that he plays with the jolting. I mean, he's a dynamic player. I had questions about him still coming out of Iowa. Uh, I thought, and I think in a typical draft, you'd see him probably go more in the 13 to 20 range. But in this year, there just seems to be a little bit of missing uh, in that area of this draft. So you're taking a value position, a guy who's going to test really well, that is versatile. And Chris Walker, do I think Van Ness makes it in the second round? Absolutely not. Uh, He's going to test really well. And there's just enough question marks about a lot of these players in this draft that if you're going to bet on traits and upside, and any player, it's a uh, edge rusher uh, for the athletic projection. And he was super effective in the snaps he had. Now, he did not play a full starter. He st- I think he still had the second most snaps of anybody in the Iowa's defensive line, but he was not a starter. Mm-hmm. It's because he was so valuable as a pass rusher that instead of using him up on first and second down, they'd get to him in second and third down. So right. he's going to be a good player. I would not expect him to come in year one and play. of the snaps. He's probably going to have to be rotated some, and you're going to have to pick your spots to set him up. But, I mean, super versatile twist and stunt game you can use with him. Inside, outside pass rusher. Uh, He's going to be a really, really fun player uh, in the league. Chris Walker says, do you think Van Ness makes it to the second round? No, I don't. I don't. We're talking about a guy getting mocked into the the top 10 here. I don't think there's any way he makes it to the second round. Not in this draft. Um, Not in this draft. Um... Holy cow, I was trying to think of the Falcons haven't had a guy like this at defensive end since. And I was like, wait a minute. It sounds a little like Jamal Anderson, who I put as one of the top five biggest draft busts of an Atlanta Falcons history with the size and speed. But Jamal never had the production. I think Lucas Van Ness had, you know, 12 sacks, 20 tackles for loss in his two seasons moving inside and outside. Um, but oh, uh, sorry, I just I just said that, guys. Um, and I, I think I think Lucas Van Ness will probably have some uh, will probably test better. And, and Chuck Smith was was even older than Jamal Anderson. So, and 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 Chuck wasn't uh didn't have the 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 length. He wasn't he was like a six three two sixty guy, super strong, quick, uh, tenacious. But he didn't have that that pure size and length that we're talking about. Where we're talking six five six six two hundred seventy pounds. That was Jamal Anderson, not fat, fat, not the running back, but the other one out of Arkansas who was just a, a horrific bust for the Falcons. And uh, and Roderick, I think Ryan Nielsen, you know, he'll be uh, versatile in his scheme, 4 3 3 4, move some guys around, get the best guys on the field. And I think free agency is going to play a big part in what we see the Falcons do on the defensive line. They're not going to just go with their number one pick here, they're going to bring in some bodies. They've got money for a change. Some of that money is going to the defensive line. I can guarantee that's what's going to happen. So uh, we will we'll be we'll be interested to see um, where that goes. Number nine, Carolina Panthers, Peter Skoransky, uh, Northwestern OL. We've talked about him a lot at number eight to the Falcons because of his versatility to go inside outside and then and eventually move out the tackle. Um, would the Panthers pass on Anthony Richardson in this spot? really hard to say, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, what does Frank Reich want to do there? Uh, right now, this, uh, we have Daniel Jeremiah taking Anthony Richardson all the way down at pick 18 with the lions. 
we'll see if how that comes out of the uh, NFL combine. Uh, I mean, you just see the, the release, the overall physical profile of Richardson. And then after coming out of the meetings, be curious to see how the stock changes, but Scrancy probably one of the safest prospects in this class. Mike Leary asks, who are some can't miss prospects? I think in terms of the floor, Mike, Peter Skronsky is probably a can't miss. Now the overall uh, value you're going to get from him will be interesting considering where he plays, but a uh, versatile guy could in theory play five positions across the board. I would probably try him at right tackle first, unless you're absolutely blown away with him at center with his intelligence, then you can get some value there. Uh, but Really high floor, really technically uh, proficient uh, NFL bloodlines as well. His grandpa played in on, in the uh, Vince Lombardi uh, Packers as well. Skaronski as well. I think offensive tackle for uh, Vince Lombardi. So uh, Skaronski has been good for a number of years. We're going to be curious to see what that arm length actually measures out. If it's you know sub thirty three or if it's right at thirty three, some teams are going to take him off the board of the tackle, but. I think he's good enough and a known quantity enough, especially in this draft, that you can take that. You're not swinging for the fences here, but you're almost guaranteed. Start. It's like, uh, what is it, extra innings now? You start a guy on second base um, in uh, MLB. That's essentially what Peter Skronsky is. You're guaranteed starting a guy on second base. Yeah. It's as nice. much as you can it, for a draft. It, it is. He's the the Anthony Richardson might be might be the most intriguing prospect in this entire draft, and we just met, mentioned Lucas Van Ness. The offensive version of this at an even bigger position is more is is Anthony Richardson. He does not make it into the top ten. I won't be surprised if he. I'll be a little surprised if he makes it out of the top ten come April. Look at Mark Schrader coming in yellow with a super chat. Mark, thank you for the support, my friend. He says good morning and good morning to you as well. Thank you. Helps us keep the lights on and helps keep my forehead nice and shiny. Aki Dragon says, thanks, guys. Love your shows. We love you for being here. So thank you very much. Um, the, the Super Chat's coming in uh, from three all this morning. Like I said, it, it's, it helps us do what we do. So, you know, if you, if you like the effort, um, it'll, it'll make sure that we're going to be around a lot longer. That's for sure. Roderick Cook with a follow-up on, on Ryan Nielsen. Uh, has he never called plays? I don't know that he's never called plays. I know he didn't last year. With the, with the Saints. Neither him or Chris Richard called plays for the Saints. As co-defensive coordinators who didn't call plays, the Saints could not block interviews for Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard the way the Denver Broncos did when Ejiro Evero was coming up. They blocked the Falcons from having an interview with him because it was a lateral move. This was considered a promotion for him. So, so we will see. And Charlie Beagle has a good question. Charlie Beagle with the Beagle. He says, now that guys that word DNs are called edge. I'm confused about what size you're looking for. Are edge guys like OLBs or defensive ends? They're more like offense outside linebackers. Uh, in a three-man front, your edge guys are pass rushers, sometimes are stand-ups. We used to just call them, you know, the the guys that they, they... Edge guys are pass rushers. They're not necessarily as big. If you've got the versatility of a guy who is athletic enough to play a 4-3 outside linebacker and he's 6'5", 275 pounds... He has the versatility to be a 4-3 defensive end. That's not necessarily an edge. In a three-man front, the outside linebackers are, are called edges more often, but they still have to have the ability to drop back into coverage. So it's a little more confusing, but the outside linebacker in general is considered your edge position, and your 4-3 defensive end is still considered defensive end. And there is a lot of crossover there because you need those guys to be able to do both. Sound about right, Nick? Yeah, Edge was really came from the draft community and trying to uh, categorize players and defensive end just was not cutting it because I would say that your edge rusher in a 3-4 and 4-3 is more synonymous than your defensive ends in a 3-4 and a 4-3, just the skill set. I think a lot of draft community will lump interior defensive line together and then you have edge rusher where you see teams use the language of defensive tackle and defensive end. So you have uh, edge rushers who are more of the... And, Teams are looking for versatile skill sets. So like the Broncos, they have a lot of edge rushers, but they don't have that edge setting, big power edge type right now. You have Nick Benito, Baron Browning, Randy Gregory, all finesse speed rushers. They don't have your George Karloftis's, your Trevon Walker uh, type out there. So edge is just pretty much, I mean, they set, they play the edge. I think it's that simple. A guy who projects to be an edge rusher, not every single one is going to fit every scheme, uh, Again, we could get we can get way call, down the line. Him, you, you used to hear them called as stand up defensive ends or walk up outside linebackers. Yeah, you know, so they're, they're a lot of times they're in a two point stance, um, where especially in a, in a three in a three four two point stance is you know they're standing up. Um, in a three four, you're in a three four. Your defensive ends are typically two ninety, 
their big guys that are defensive tackles in a 4-3. Because in a three-man front, you've got one guy who's 350 pounds. He's an anchor. His only job is to not get moved. And it's it's a it's an SOB position. It's 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 a it's a position that it's tough and you don't get a lot of glory because then the two defensive ends, the three four ends, their job is basically to eat two blockers and let the four linebackers, two edge guys, two inside linebackers get all the glory. Um, it's so that when you're talking about edge, that's that's what we're talking about for sure. Um, Ryan says, can we rate pass rushers and are they they like Micah Parsons or not? Rating pass rushers is pretty easy. We just get pressures and sacks. <laughs> um, you know, it's not just sacks. You know, I think Arnold Nebuchadnezzar for the Falcons finished with just a sack and a half last year. He was better than that. He really was. He he, he was better than just a sack and a half. And his pressure rate helped show that. The, the effect that he was having on the defensive, on the offensive backfield showed that. Yeah. Now, let's finish here real quick with the top 10. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of defensive linemen hitting free agency, but there's not a lot of defensive linemen available anymore, Nick. So yeah. Daniel Jeremiah has them taking uh, Devon Witherspoon, who could sneak into the top 10 as well. Illinois cornerback, super physical for sure. Yeah, yeah, physical. My uh, Probably the best trash talker in this class, and he's had to fight for everything he's uh, gotten in the league. Uh, you have uh, – he came in as a zero-star recruit, I believe, at Illinois and just had an incredible year. I think he gave up – if I remember correctly, I thought I read that he gave up zero receptions this year in press coverage, uh, which is why, I mean, granted it's playing big 10 West passers, but uh, still that's an incredible stat. So we'll see how he tests. I think that he's not going to be every single team's favorite player, but he's going to be versatile off coverage, press coverage, uh, very, very tenacious coming downhill and a, a tone setter uh, at the edge, which you don't are at the cornerback uh, spot, which you don't always see. So, Going to love him. He's going to be my cornerback too, just because I'm going to lean into the fluidity and length of Christian Gonzalez over him. But if you wanted to say uh, Witherspoon was your number one, wouldn't fight you one bit. Yeah, it's 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 close enough that I might have my preference and I'll tell you that, but I'm not going to argue about it. Uh, they're they're too close. Say I don't measure, I don't argue levels of elite and I don't argue levels of bad either. Uh, but you know, when they're that close, I'm, I'm willing to concede a point and say, hey, listen, this is what I think. I'm not saying I'm right, especially when we're trying to predict the future. Yeah. Nick, that's the top 10. I want to run down through the rest of just a couple of noteworthy things. And then I want to get your, your thoughts on, you know, what really drew your attention uh, moving, moving behind there. Um, some of the things that got my attention, Jordan Addison at 12, USC wide receiver is the first wide receiver off the board. Um, Joey Porter is at 16 to the commanders. We've seen him go as high as eight to the Falcons. Uh, Anthony Richardson falling all the way to 18 at the Detroit Lions really split on him the, the 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 thoughts on him I don't think he lasts until 18 running back Bijan Robinson we talked about might be the best talent in the entire draft at 19 to uh to Tampa Bay uh Quentin Johnson another big height weight speed receiver at 21 to the Chargers please know um, and then Brian Brisset falling all the way to 24 those are some of the things that got my attention before we get out of here Nick uh, for me, a player that I absolutely love, but I can't imagine them going there uh, just because of a recent draft pick is Brian Branch to the Ravens. Uh, they just found a really good use for, uh, gosh, the safety they took last season, who was an incredible dimebacker and slot player for them. Brian Branch is a similar player out there, so I, I just feel like that's an overlap of redundancy for that pick there. But Brian Branch is one of the best defensive backs in this class, uh, maybe the best slot in this class as well, one of the best tacklers in the entire draft. So, Heck, I could see the Ravens just keep investing in that defense. That would make some sense. And then to see Dalton Kincaid, uh, 25 years old. I mean, he's pretty old. All the way up at pick 15 over Michael Mayer, over Luke Musgrave, over Darnell Washington. Pretty shocking to me. And you guys are right. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton. Thank you. Um, sometimes the name just doesn't pop in when the uh, the coffee juice isn't flowing yet. So those are ones I that... I wanted at eight last year, and he ended up being PFF's number one safety. Yeah. Kyle Very Hamilton weird from role, Atlanta, though. Georgia. That, was, that would have been a nice, nice pick. Yeah. And the other thing that sticks out to me, you mentioned Quentin Johnson to the Chargers. I think we've seen multiple. Daniel Jeremiah is very intimately connected to the Chargers, covers all the Chargers. Uh, their play-by-play, uh, maybe is their color guy um, for covering them, lives out in L.A., very close to the Chargers. He's mocked the Chargers now a tight end and a wide receiver in back-to-back in his mocks. That team is looking for a pass weapon uh, to help this offense out there. They're going to be probably moving on from Keenan Allen. Don't really have any other weapons out there. I mean, you have – the running back who's aging a bit 
Uh, obviously, Michael Williams is a great player, but they're looking for weapons. So those are some names that stick out here. And then one that I absolutely hate, uh, Nolan Smith going to the Chiefs at pick 31, Rich getting richer, and a totally opposite uh, skill set of George Karloftis at the other edge spot. I love pairing skill sets like that, uh, guys who play the same position. But you guys talk about edge. They're both edge rushers. One way is 1240, one way is 275 out there. But uh, that one would piss me off tremendously. Why can't the Chiefs, you know, <laughs> burn away? Like, take a running back here or something. You know, take dry, draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire again. Uh, but uh, not a good pass rusher. Yeah, I got some stick from Chiefs fans saying that we all should feel cheated. We all were all cheated by the the ending of the Super Bowl, and I included Chiefs fans, you know. And the the more names they called me and all of the things, all you did was prove my point that you're angry. You're angry because a flag happy ref has called into question the legitimacy of your Super Bowl win, and you don't want that to happen. No. I didn't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. Um, so yes, chiefs fans, you were cheated too. I didn't care who won. I don't care. So, uh, anyway, on that real quick, uh, Kenny Booker coming in KB 82 real quick. And then we'll get out of here. He says when tight end Browers from Georgia finally enters the draft, is he a first rounder? Yes, he is. Nick, does he go in the top 10? I think, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. It's, it's hard to say this far out, right? Things can yeah. happen, but, uh, not that far out anymore. Yeah. You know, if he if he was in this draft, actually, PFF did one of those. If everybody was draft eligible, and I don't remember seeing his name as high as it could have been, he he may go top ten next year, Kenny. Well, if the if the PFF did one of those, it's because they added Caleb Williams and Marvin Drake Harrison May one and two. Yeah, and Drake May, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. Also, he was top ten. Yep. Yeah. So Bowers just has the. If you have an incredible tight end, then obviously that's super valuable, but there's a lot of just mediocre, okay, get space filling tight ends in the league that you do okay with that. Uh, but still Brock Bowers was in this one. He'd be a top 10 pick. Uh, probably we'd be talking about him probably about pick six, uh, maybe six to eight, but... probably about pick eight with the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, you guys could do the 12 personnel stuff you could do with him would be incredible. Granted, well, and kind of and, burning. And that frankly, option. Kyle Pitts lines up in the slot and wide more than he lines up in line tight end. Yeah, I want to see him more at X in the future. But you have Drake and ah, get versatile guys, playmakers, and uh, see how it works out, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, Brock Bowers, top five talent going into next year's draft. So on that note, we are going to get out of here. Um, and, and we spent a lot of time in the top ten. We we do spend a lot of time in the top ten. We we can start breaking down some individual teams as well, and and some of those. But we're still early enough that there's so much questions about what is going to happen in the top ten, especially in this draft. You know, I, I I think I wrote the the Falcons in eleven mock drafts, seven different players were were taken in that spot at number eight. So that's uh that is what kind of draft this is going to be. I think it's going to be more intriguing, one way or another, because either the players aren't good enough, or maybe they are. We'll we'll just have to we'll just have to see. But the trade down candidates aren't great because unless you're trading up for a quarterback at the very top, you don't want to trade up in this draft. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Nick and I will be back tomorrow on Mile High Huddle. We'll be back on these channels uh, Monday at 9 a.m. for uh, the Falcons podcast. And we're here every Wednesday morning on Coast to Coast Football at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Want to give a special shout out to our Super Chat contributors, Aki Dragon, Mark Schrader, John Clay Eventing. Thank you very much. Like I said, it helps keep the lights on. It helps keep my, my forehead nice and shiny with those lights. So... On that note, I want to say thank everybody for being here. Thanks for coming and hitting those like buttons. I see all of y'all. And uh, we will see you Monday morning. Have a good weekend, everybody.